You're listening to Well Connected with Ricky and Fletch, where you'll hear from business professionals all over the country who have found their success through networking. Join us as we explore the path to success and what it takes to overcome adversity together. Okay, welcome everybody to another episode of Well Connected. This I am Ricky, and with all as always, I'm here with my man Fletch. Today we are here to introduce you and talk about networking with the AJ Lambert, the lead swag scientist from a touch of swag. AJ, how are you doing today, my man? I'm doing great, Ricky. How about yourself? Great. Great. So glad that you're here, man. Thanks for joining us today. This will be a fun one. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. I'm excited to chat with you guys. Yeah, this is great. So, you know, we know you, you're in our BNI chapter. And again, this isn't an official BNI podcast, although BNI comes up a lot because that's <laughs> the that is one of many different networking groups that Fletch and I just happen to be a part of. So yeah. it comes up a lot. And that's how we know you, AJ, but our audience doesn't really know you. So we want to make sure they do. And we open up every show with a couple icebreaker questions that Fletch and I like to ask our guests and Hit me. first one up for you sir is i like to always know what is the most recent app that you have downloaded on your phone oh man mine's not that exciting at the moment um i actually just downloaded it yesterday i downloaded the linkedin sales navigator app uh, on my phone so that i could keep track of what i'm doing in navigator on my phone I feel like that is as timely of an app <laughs> download that we have heard so far. You know, I mean, we... <laughs> it thematically fits, right? <laughs> I mean, maybe you say it's not exciting, but now I feel like that's something we're going to have to talk about during our we episode today, our time it. today. The Sales Navigator app with LinkedIn. What a, a networking app on a networking podcast. That's I, figure. Of course. <laughs> It's almost it's almost like we planned it. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's I, I just had the inkling to get it on my phone yesterday because I've been doing stuff on my computer and I was like, let me get this on my phone. It makes it easier. I think everything on the phone these days is way easier. It seems like that's the that's the vibe. It's so, like they're trying to get us on the phone more. It's true. It really <laughs> is. All right. Well, we got one more icebreaker here for you. I'm ready. And uh, this one is near and dear to my heart because I wish I could go back and, and make this choice. But if you go back, forget all the things you've ever been and done, and you decided to be an Olympic athlete because we all just decide to be Ooh. Olympic athletes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you, know? Mm -hmm. you know how that works, right? Mm -hmm. um, what would be your sport, though? What, what would you be doing? That's an excellent question. I would be a gymnast. I absolutely love gymnastics. Although, actually... Now that breakdancing is in the Olympics, I would actually choose breakdancing. So breakdancing will be in the Olympics, I believe, in 20, I think it's 2028. It might be 2024. Breakdancing is officially going to be in the Olympics now. Um, and so is parkour. Wow. So, but I would choose breakdancing now that that's going to be officially in there. It's it not... sounds like you don't even have to go back. It sounds like you could, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> could go forward. <laughs> you're, just, you're just there. Yeah. If I went back and had to choose, I would choose gymnastics. If I could get into it going forward, I would choose breakdancing because like I don't I did pop and lock in high school and I don't really do much of it anymore. But uh, in high school, like that was my thing. I wanted to get into breakdancing so bad. And so that would have been my choice is breakdancing. Something I didn't know about you. I love it, man. We're learning stuff every day. That right? sounds fun, though. That, that really does sound I, I have a I if I'm honest, I have a hard time seeing it as a sport. But I do know it's hard to do. Sure. But uh I'm yeah. sure the, the Olympics will be fun to watch in 2020, whatever it comes. Yeah, I mean, I can see it being challenging to judge because everybody's going to be able to do things a little bit differently. And there's like stylistic things. So I imagine it's difficult to judge fairly, but we'll see how it goes. I don't know, man. I mean, skateboarding, everybody does things a little bit differently. And it's like, you know, how hard are the tricks? How many tricks? What's degree of difficulty? Sure. All that. I mean, like they'll find you know? they can find a way. That is actually an, ex an excellent counterpoint. I think that you they'll probably set a baseline standard. Like, this is how we expect the, the dance moves to be done if they're going to be judged at this level. Uh, we'll, we'll, they'll figure it out. They're, they're the experts at that. It's my job to just enjoy watching breakdancers on, uh, on an Olympic stage instead of just at the Red Bull BC one. Now you got me wondering who the Tony Hawk of breakdancing is going to be. Like, I'm, 
I'm I'm gonna have to watch this. It's yeah. AJ Lambert. He's on the show. Yes. <laughs> the future Olympian first dancer. You heard it here live. Oh, <laughs> uh, 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 that's good stuff. That is good stuff. Okay, AJ. Well, who are you, man? Where'd you come from? What do you do? Introduce yourself to everybody. Let them know about you, what you do, and uh, yeah, take it away, man. Yeah, man. So like the the quick answer to who I am uh, is that I'm a SoCal boy born and raised in San Diego. I have lived all over the country over my life. I've been throughout, lived throughout the South. I've lived on the East Coast. And now, of course, I live up here in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. But most of my life was spent as a Southern California boy, not at the beach uh, surfing like most people would expect. I lived in East County, San Diego, did a lot more hiking out in the mountains. But Absolutely beautiful. I grew up, uh, you know, in like kind of a, I would say a small family. I have two siblings and we were probably standard siblings, just didn't get along very well. (laughs) And especially as young kids. And now that we're older, we've got better relationships. But I didn't think I would end up doing what I'm doing now. I knew from a young age I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Uh, When I was five years old, I told my parents that I was going to be a multimillionaire selling peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, specifically grape jelly, though, because I did not like strawberry jelly as a kid. So I was going to sell grape, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and be a multimillionaire because I was going to have a chain of peanut butter and jelly restaurants. Like that was like my dream as a five-year-old kid, because all I wanted was grape peanut butter and grape jelly sandwiches. And so I was like, I just, these need to be out in the world more. So that was like what I thought I was going to do as like a five-year-old. Um, and then fast forward into high school, I kind of changed gears, went down a different path, went to college and then grad school for um, something totally different than what I'm doing now. And then I got out of college or excuse me, out of grad school and decided that I wanted to take a different path uh, than what I was, where I was going in life. And so I decided to move into, I went to seminary, actually got my master's in theology, studied uh, ancient languages. That's what I did. A lot of translation and like interpretive work in grad school. And uh, that kind of will play into, or it plays into my story now with some of the wordplay and language stuff that I like to do nowadays. But I didn't know what it was going to be for then. And so when I left grad school, I actually went uh, and started working in the casino industry. And I dealt blackjack and craps for a few years, got into that um, and did that for a while. Uh, Absolutely loved uh, dealing craps. It was such a fun game. So high energy. There's so much happening. Really enjoyed it. But it it just wasn't for me in the long haul. Like as much as it was fun, there's just also... It's tough to watch people uh, struggle with gambling addiction. And so for me, I just like, I didn't like seeing that. So I ended up leaving that. And when I left, um, I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to do with my life. I don't want to be in the casino industry anymore. I'm not going back to translation work and stuff like that. So I really didn't know where I was going to end up. So I moved across country at the time and I ended up in Georgia And my parents had moved there a little before I did. And so I moved there to be kind of close to family and ended up opening up uh, my first business. And so that was kind of where the entrepreneurship journey started for me. I got into website development. I had a friend who'd been doing it for a long time, got into the space, uh, started doing it and just found it like was not the thing I was passionate about. But I always hoped that I could just muscle through, even though I was very uninterested in it. (laughs) And uh, for me, it just wasn't it, it just it was not quite it just wasn't exciting enough for me. And I unfortunately uh, suffer from ADHD and really need to be enjoying what I'm doing and in the moment. Otherwise, I just get distracted by every shiny object that's out there. So while I was doing that on the side, I had started doing swag sales part time just as a thing I was doing on the side to kind of like get in the door as like an easy sale to kind of connect with business owners to kind of start the process um, there. And that kind of blossomed into what it is today for me as Touch of Swag. Uh, I just was doing it on the side, was really enjoying it. I've always loved uh, just swag and kind of the cool, fun stuff that you get, all this branded merch. And I just decided, I was like, if I'm going to do, if I'm, if I'm going to be a business owner, I want it to be something that I'm really enjoying on the day-to-day because I was starting to get really burned out in uh, website development and From there, I was like, I have to either go get a job or do something that I'm loving and swag was it. So I was like, you know, I I really enjoy this. This is the thing I want to be doing. And so I decided that I was going to make the leap into just doing swag and let go of the digital stuff that I was doing at the time. And that was a little over a year ago. uh, And it was probably like six months before that, that kind of I was I found the inspiration to go full time because I found this guy who is now my mentor and he just does so much creative stuff with swag. Like I already enjoy swag as a marketing 
medium. I just think it's so much fun. It's tangible. You get to hold on to it. it you get to represent your brand in so many different places outside of the screen, uh, outside of digital stuff. And so it's just a lot of fun for me. And the stuff that he was doing just like was inspirational to me. I was like, man, this is brilliant. This will allow me to kind of play with that like creativity that I really enjoy because I've been writing my whole life. I've been a creative thinker my whole life. And so I was like, this speaks to me. And it was, yeah, a little over a year ago that I decided I'm going to jump into Touch of Swag and go all in on just creative, tangible marketing. And so that's kind of how I ended up doing swag full time. And then, you know, ended up connecting with BNI, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more. But yeah, that's that's how I ended up where I am now um, and a little bit more about me as a person. So I love it. Um, you have your life story, my man. <laughs> yeah. In a, in a condensed version. Mm. Yeah. You get the you get the the, the whole run. Well, I'm glad that Uncrustables stole your peanut butter and jelly <laughs> business idea so that you they could did. be here they with really us. They really stole it. You know, and that's perfect because I hated crust as a kid too. So you, I was not going to sell peanut butter and jelly with a crust. So Uncrustables really did steal my business model. And it is unfortunate for me, but also, well, maybe, maybe not. It, it's maybe it's fortunate that they took it from me because I wouldn't have got to meet the crew here. I wouldn't have got to meet you guys. I wouldn't be where I'm at today. So maybe it's fortunate that I didn't end up with the Uncrustables business. Uh, you'd be the knight of Welches or something like your smuckers. <laughs> exactly. <No>. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, you call me Lord Smuckers. No. <laughs> so you, I mean, it sounds like you kind of mo you've moved around a lot. You've done a lot yep. of things. I'm interested to kind of hear because you clearly are very easy to talk to. You know, you we know that. You know, I think uh, some of our audience kind of understands that you now that you have no problem sharing your story and your you know that's great, right? Right. But you know, the, a lot of folks who watch this may not be as easy for them. So do you sure. think, would you attribute, you know, you're moving around and meeting new friends or like, what would you kind of attribute to you to getting comfortable, right? In, in what you do is, or is, have you just always been that outgoing guy, right? I don't know. Yeah, no, that's a great question, Fletch. Uh, so for me, even though I'm very outgoing and I very much like to share and tell my stories, I actually found it to be quite a different experience when it came to being a business owner, right? Uh, this is, it was such new territory for me. And even now with my business, I find myself sometimes a little more reserved initially in the conversation with people. Uh, it's, it's something that surprising that kind of surprised me because as someone who regularly will just walk into a room of people I don't know and just start talking to people I don't have any problem striking up the conversation I found that it was a little more challenging initially for me uh, to have that conversation about what I do and part of that I think is that I just did not have uh, I had conversational confidence when it came to just striking up conversation with people and beginning to develop friendships I didn't have that uh, conversational confidence to talk about what I do as a business owner, though. And I would say that I actually attribute the confidence of that to uh, networking more, like honestly, just spending more time talking to people and just having the opportunity to present more about what I do in front of people. BNI like, and other avenues and that I have spent time networking in have really given me the confidence and the ability to actually talk about what I do as a business owner. So even though I am very outgoing and I'll strike up conversation with anyone about just about anything, it took some learning still to figure out how to do that as a business owner so you mean so so i think everybody now has a good sense of your energy sure and excitement <laughs> and passion yeah. right which i think matters but i'm kind of curious you're going when when you you're, you're talking about struggling to pitch yourself pitch your business sure. right like and i think this is something a lot of people have a hard time with you know everybody wants to say what's your elevator pitch and i think sure. that's kind of a lame thing to say, you know, do your best in 160 seconds or less, pitch me, sell me this pen, whatever, right? But when you're right. networking, when you're out meeting new people in business purposes, you got to be able to kind of quickly yeah, tell them what you do to keep people interested. How did you how did you figure that out? I'm sure people would love to hear how you kind of overcame that obstacle. Yeah, that was particularly challenging for me uh, as someone who likes to talk and talk a lot. I found that in the early stages of sharing what I do in my business, I would spend so much time explaining every little detail of what I did. And honestly, I think it would, uh, people were interested in the things that I do, uh, that I was doing, but it took so long for me to explain it that I think at some point they just kind of almost forgot what I'd said in the beginning by the time I got to the end. And it was actually a challenge to learn how to condense down the story of what I do. 
but I realized that that was going to be important moving forward because it was really a chance for me to give people the opportunity to ask questions. And I think the big thing that I learned is if I explain everything that I think I do up front, it it doesn't give people the chance to be curious and to really like get the answers that they want from me about my business. Because at the end of the day, yes, I do certain things with my business, but I want to know what they're curious about, about my business. Why do they, why are they interested in it? Potentially, why do they think what I do could be interesting for them, right? And I, so I think learning how to give enough information to create curiosity, but not so much that I kind of crush the, or I guess, crush the questions that they have was the challenge for me. And it was something that I worked on a lot and I'm still constantly trying to refine how do I give it uh, kind of the overall story in like maybe two or three sentences. How do I give that quick pitch uh, to make people, to give people the understanding of what I do, but just enough interest to be able to ask more questions. And honestly, that's just been refining by doing it spending more time talking. Uh, I've written out various versions of what I do in like short format. Like I'm going to, if I'm going to describe to someone what I do, how can I do that in, you know, like three to five sentences and I'll write it out and then I'll read it. And and I'm like, "Mm, it just doesn't seem quite right. Or I don't like this one. So those were kind of the things and the process that I've used in refining uh, how I pitch my business quickly to people. So that's interesting because we haven't heard from anybody yet about with anybody who's really at least shared with us how they go and they I mean they write things out right they they it's sure. really a prep it's like a prep work for you know we've heard you know to know who you're gonna who might be at the a networking event right sure we've heard some of those things but we haven't heard someone really going through what they're saying what they're doing how they're doing it you know beforehand and that's that's an interesting point to to bring up uh about how you're 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 taking an active role in, you know, learning how to do this and getting better at it. That's, that's impressive. Yeah. Well, and for me, I think the big thing, right. Is that my whole, uh, shtick as it were, right. My whole, uh, focus in my business is trying to generate curiosity. Right. And for me, I was like, how do I do that even in the way that I pitch myself? And so I'm constantly working on new ways to pitch myself. So I am going through and re- reworking and rebranding some of my material right now for my business. And in that process, I'm like, how do I tell the story of what I do in a way that creates more curiosity? Because that's the big thing for me is I want to generate more curiosity for myself, for the people that I work with. Uh, how do I get people's interest peaked? And that I'm very much a student of how do I do this better? And I, as, as I said, I've been a writer my whole life. And so for me, writing things out, pen and paper, I've got multiple notepads just sitting off here to the side of my desk where I just scribble things down. I just start writing and I'm like, oh, I like that. I don't like that. And honestly, most of them I don't like, but that's part of the process. I'm, I'm so glad this is coming up because like Fletch just mentioned, we, we haven't come across this component of networking and meeting people yet. And I'm really glad that it's with you because... You have a product that can be generic, boring, even unappealing, right? Swag. Yep. Yep. Stuff that stuff that even is kind of annoying, to be honest, you know, pens and and like squeeze ball fish or whatever, you know, like all the just nonsense that you go to conventions or I don't know, events and people just Mm -hmm. hand out and it just goes in the trash. No one remembers it. And What our audience doesn't know, I think, yet about you is that your approach to that swag is so much different. You're not going to just get people pens and T-shirts and nonsense. There's probably tens of thousands of those guys, right? And so when you, you, I mean, I imagine you in these groups, hey, I'm a swag guy or whatever. Oh, okay, great. I I can do this. But like, tell us, what what do you say? I'm curious what you're, what you kind of came up with so far, even though you just told us it needs improvement, right? Like how, pitch the audience, man. Tell, introduce yourself. What do you do? Sure. So to, before I give you my actual pitch, um, you're right. There are a lot of people who, when they see swag or they think about swag, they're like, this is annoying. One of the, one of the most common phrases you hear, and I've heard people say this when I'm talking to them about, about potentially buying swag is they're like, Oh yeah, what kind of knickknacks or tchotchkes do you have that I could pick up? You know, just like random little things. And it's so interesting to hear that language and that verbiage around uh, swag because it, it really kind of, I think has become that unfortunately because there are so many people that are just in the product sales mode. They're like, I'm trying to move more and more product, whether it's just a shirt or a stress ball or a pen or business cards or whatever it is. They're just trying to move the product. And on my end, because I come from when I was doing website development, I also was doing marketing stuff alongside of that. Coming from that marketing background when I moved into swag, I was like, I want to be able to help people strategically. And so I do take a strategic approach. But what I have been doing most recently, and 
this is the newest pitch of what I of what I offer to people, and it's the usually it's like a twenty to thirty second uh, slot that I get when I'm visiting these other groups after introducing myself. But I'm moving a little bit in a newer direction with the swag and really using it as a lead generation tool and device for people and. The pitch is geared towards that. And so when I go into a new group, I have a chance to introduce myself. It sounds a little bit something like this. Hi, my name is AJ Lambert with Touch of Swag. I'm the lead swag scientist. I'm sure that you guys all know someone who does cold calling, and I'm sure that we all know someone who absolutely loves cold calling. If that's you, great. If that's not you, you probably know somebody who does. But for those people who don't love cold calling, which is the rest of us, we want a way to contact people and to connect with people without having to make that difficult and sometimes stressful cold contact. And so what I do is I work with business owners to help them make a connection before they even get on the call to warm up their prospects so that it's not a cold call, so that they have some connection with them before they even begin that process. So if you know somebody who is afraid of cold calling or is nervous about the idea of getting on the phone with someone, but really needs to develop their list of prospects, send them to me so we can talk and we can develop some curiosity campaigns to pique the curiosity and the interest of their prospects and get them excited to talk to them. I love it. Sign us up. No, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's the newest version of the pitch that I've been doing. And I think there are a few things I still want to tweak about it. But in a nutshell, the big thing for me is I'm trying to move towards helping people with their outbound marketing and how to use swag in that way. Like my tagline for my business is marketing you can feel. And I really want people to realize that you can create a not only tangible feeling, but an emotional feeling by giving an experience to people um, before you even meet them that gives them that like first impression before they've met you that gets them excited to talk to you. So, so, so well, go ahead, Ricky. No, no, you got okay. it. No, I was just thinking, you know, I, I've seen some of the pieces that you've done for folks over, over the last year-ish. And I guess we're, because we're, we were kind of test base, uh, a test base for it for you a little bit. Um, sure. Well, when you're utilizing this in a networking aspect, right, do you bring some, do you bring your trinkets along, right? I hate to put it that way. That's a terrible way to put it, but that was the first word that came. It's, but, no, it's you know, no worries. Do you bring them along? Do you show people? Do you, is that how you get people excited? You know, yeah. how, how are you doing stuff with that? No, that's awesome. Actually, that's one thing that I've learned, uh, Fletch, over the last seven months of like really seriously networking uh, since getting into BNI and some of the other things is I can describe these things to people, but until I show them, it really doesn't have the same impact, right? So I actually, let me grab one. I have one sitting right here. I always keep one nearby, whether I am uh, going around, like I carry my backpack with me when I'm going through town, doing whatever, when I'm going to different events, meeting different people. And I always keep one a box on me. I always keep a box to show people what I do. So when I'm networking, whether I'm on camera, uh, whether it's an online networking event or I'm in person, I always keep one nearby so that I can show people the piece as I'm talking. And oftentimes, I haven't incorporated this into my new pitch yet, but when I'm in like breakout times where like we have a little bit more open networking uh, in some of the groups uh, and I have a, couple, a little bit more than 30 seconds to share, um, I will actually bust this out and kind of talk to people through this process. And that visual really helps people connect what I'm doing and what I'm saying, because it can be a little difficult to picture what it looks like to I guess what, what what I'm saying when I'm just using words, I'm like, oh, we're going to send something to people to make a connection up front. It's going to be a box of swag. People have no idea what that is. They're like, okay, there, there's so many millions of things that could be. So giving a tangible example has really helped make better connections and actually like bring more conversations around it uh, into my business. So it's actually been one of the things that I have learned is like, I do need a piece for people to like see and touch. Man, you're getting me thinking because Fletch and I both have something nobody ever wants to talk about either, insurance. Sure. <laughs> you know, it's just the I most mean, fun thing to talk about. <laughs> insurance and swag. People are just whatever, man. And sure. now you're you got my mind racing about writing out my pitch. I think that's a yeah. huge, huge takeaway here is I don't think it needs to be this elevator pitch where someone's gonna buy me right now, but like getting and it and it's also it, it, what I'm kind of connecting with, it's what you're doing with, with your swag for your clients. It's getting people to remember you quickly so you can follow up when you're meeting right. people and networking for whatever opportunity, whether they're going to buy from you or introduce you to somebody else. Absolutely. No, And I think that's the thing, Ricky, is like 
one of the things that I'm very conscientious about or conscious about when I'm doing this uh, is that I am trying to create an experience, whether it be for my clients or for myself. And so I'm thinking about uh, what is the experience like when I'm sharing with people what I do? And that's what brought me to the realization that I was like, people are hearing the words that I'm saying and some some people can visualize it and they're like, oh, that seems cool, but other people need to see it. And so the idea, being able to show people what I do is really huge and it creates that experience that I'm trying to give uh, to my clients by showing them the process in motion. Uh, and so that's been huge. And for me, when you're, when you're talking about writing it out, that's something that like, that comes from years of college and grad school, right? Like I spent eight years in college and grad school and so much writing. And when it comes to memorizing things, I used to spend every night writing things out that I wanted to memorize. And so uh, the writing part of it just made sense for me. I was like, oh, I want to write this out so I can kind of get my thoughts down a little more clearly. But it also lets me see where do I need to pivot and adjust. So th those have been like two really key things for me is like write things down. But then also when it comes to my pitch, try and create a little bit of the experience of what it's like to work with me. So you get a little bit of a taste. I really like that in that you're you're curating a first impression, right? right? I mean, it's for me, I'm not someone to pitch on the first, second, sometimes even third. Like I want to create a relationship with somebody, but right. in order to create a relationship with somebody, someone has to rem remember me. I'd like to think I'm pretty enough to be remembered, but um, oftentimes I don't think I, you know, that's, that's not the case. <laughs> So do you ever have folks use products, right? Uh, you know, I know everybody has business cards, right? And I feel like, right. you know, everybody pulls out business cards or digital business cards like Ricky likes and, yep. uh, you know, all those things, right? But does anybody ever have, you know, something other than than a business card, right? Uh, sure. That, that you have seen that have worked for people that have, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Stand them apart. Yeah, absolutely. So that is... For me, a big one, uh, business cards are fine. I, I have my business cards. I feel, uh, Business cards, I think, are still important because it is an easy way to like have people's information. But I have seen lots of different cool swag um, over the years of selling part-time, but then now doing this full-time. And for me, the big thing is when I'm talking to someone, I, I want them to have something that is going to be memorable, maybe on point, uh, kind of connected in some way to their business, uh, to their brand. A great example, it's, oh, maybe it's not even by me now. Uh, oh, yeah. Nope. It's I mean, totally it's okay. It. It's okay. I think most of our audience is listening and not watching. Yeah. And that's fine. But for those that are watching, those that can see this, this is a Bluetooth key tracker. And I did this for a mortgage broker group because I was like, you guys, you deal with homes and the purchase of homes. So thematically, having something on the keys to the home that you just bought makes sense. And so things like that, where I'm like, hey, let's pick swag that is going to be useful. It's important to me that it's functional fun and that it's going to make you memorable. And again, because it's tied to something that is directly connected to your business, uh, it's it was it was such a fun piece to watch them uh, utilize because they got so many comments about how this was the most useful, but also like on point piece of swag that they had ever given out. They had so many people say, wow, I've never had someone give me swag that was so cool, but also so like helpful, but also made me like realize, oh, this is what you guys do. I heard that comment as I was, cause I was at an event where they were handing these out. And I heard that comment from probably a half dozen people that walked through and were like collecting swag. And I was like, it's really fun to see that process in motion and to see people immediately pull these things out of the box and start slapping them on keys uh, and know that like that brand is going to be remembered when they're traveling and when people are going out and about. So for me, it is big. So something like that, or in the similar space with like real estate agents, right? I'm like, what's something that we can give that's going to be connected to what you do? Again, I was thinking keys, travel. I did a multi-tool that looks like a key. It's in the shape of a key. It goes on the key ring. It makes sense for what they do. So I definitely kind of push people towards product that is going to be functional, thematic, and I think just all around a better use than just a basic business card. So nothing wrong with them. I think they're important, but I do think that you need more than that if you're going to be memorable. So, so for what you do, you have to meet a lot of people and a wide variety of them, I would imagine. Uh, I'm talking to a lot of people, that's for sure. <laughs> I think you said something in, in our BNI meeting the other day that was like one of my favorite things. I like to talk a lot and I like to talk to a lot of people. And I just because I felt that I like to talk a lot and I like to talk to a lot of people. Yeah, um, absolutely. And you're in BNI now. So I'm kind yep. of curious, 
how your experience has been in networking groups and finding networking group. Have you yeah. tried others? And what's your what what is your you know how is that providing a lot of value for you uh, for somebody who anybody really or even you're not you're not based by location geography or or industry you can work with anybody anywhere so how yeah. how has that been helpful for you yeah i mean be, you're right because i am not bound to geography it's very helpful for me i've i do a lot of my networking in bni it's not my sole uh, networking space but that is kind of the first one i got into and for me I find a lot of value in the fact that like I have all these other like potential chapters that I can go visit. And when I first got into BNI, I was just I was very aggressively visiting other chapters and just going in, meeting new people, networking. And it got a little bit too much. I was doing actually a little bit too much in terms of trying to meet too many people on top of trying to balance getting work done, getting products sourced, coming up with all the ideas, doing all the things that I do. Excuse me. So now I try to dial it back a little bit more. I go to at least two additional BNIs a month right now. I try to visit at least two other chapters. Um, so I do that. But I also will go to Chamber of Commerce events. In fact, that was one of the spaces where I found um, one of my clients was just going to Chamber of Commerce. It was before I realized the the importance of the visual component, so I didn't actually bring anything with me. But just the explanation of what I was doing was enough to to get somebody to come in and be like, hey, I want to work with you and go through that process, right? So yeah, I, I do that. And then I've gone to like Rotary Club. I've tried a, several different networking avenues to really... Uh, get out there and and kind of talk with people. And so far, I found the one that I enjoy the most, honestly, has been BNI. I think that it's just a little bit more intentional than some of the other ones. Like Chamber of Commerce is great. Uh, it's very big, and you find a lot of people in, that are in the same space, though, that are trying to network there. So it's great to really like meet new people um, and really grow your network because they are large. But I found that I think so far BNI has been for me the best avenue to really uh, network in a way that allows me to have a more intentional conversation. So, so far for me, BNI has been the best, but I'm always trying new things. So <laughs> I'm, I'm all about like exploring and finding other ways to make connections. So, yeah. Are you doing most of your networking in person? So I would say that a lot of my networking happens online right now because I'm visiting chapters uh, that are in other areas. Oftentimes, I like to visit chapters in other states. So because for me, I'm like, I can, like I said, I can work anywhere. So it's a chance for me to just kind of like see what what's happening in different areas, kind of make new connections and really just kind of spread out where my impact is happening uh, in hopes that I'll be able to continue to develop more and more connections in those areas and build a larger network of, of business, but also connections, right? So for me, it's a lot of online. I do still, I still do some in-person networking. It's not exclusively online, but I would say that probably 70% of my networking is online right now. So I do a lot of online networking. Okay. That's a... Uh... I mean that's that's new age, right? I mean that's uh, that's yeah. the uh, the whole the whole Zoom Zoom revolution, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that like while it does have the challenge of not having that in face per like kind of person to person connection, the power of being able to extend my reach to connect with people via Zoom and networking online is just it's been it's been really good for me and for my business. And honestly, it's a lot of fun too. So. I mean, I like Zoom and I think it has its yeah. place. I mean, convenience, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. right now I'm in a current season of the next few weeks are really busy and I have a few people I need to meet with and I would prefer to go and have coffee or lunch or happy hour, but it's probably right. going to be on Zoom just because I don't have time at the moment. Right. Um, and, but I mean, I prefer, if any opportunity that I have, I prefer in person. There's just... That there is something of that old school shaking hands, giving a hug, sitting across the table with somebody that like you Zoom can't beat it, you right. know. And I, I and I don't mean to discount the the digital networking. And I just kind of talk about that right now because I'm sure there's people that have fairly hard. I don't. I no. I'm not doing it on Zoom, or I only meet on Zoom because I don't. Whatever it is, and right. I think they both matter. Agreed. I think well, there's both a place important. for both for everybody, right? I mean, I think yeah. that's uh, that's the beautiful thing about it is is I think it's just Zoom is just Zoom or any Teams or whatever you want to call it has just yeah. made things more, the world more accessible. We're getting yes. smaller and smaller as a connected United you know world and 
country right. and the whole thing, you know? The world gets bigger and bigger in population and smaller and smaller in terms of the distance between people, right? We are easily, much more easily and more readily able to connect with uh, people that we just couldn't connect with uh, as easily before. Uh, and that's awesome. Like, I think it provides some real advantages. Um, it, But I agree, Ricky, though. I think that there is a certain, like, just gravitas to meeting in person. Like you just really get to connect with someone in a way that you don't get to quite online. Uh, I, I do like being, meeting in person, but I, like I said, I have been spending a lot of time networking on Zoom. So. So, so how do you, I'm sure you meet way more people than want to buy from you. How, how do yeah. you follow, what, what's your follow-up system look like? Sure. Yeah. So for me, you're right. I, I meet a lot of people that are that that do not want to buy from me. And so I have follow-up systems are the the thing that are really probably my current weak point in terms of follow-up. I do follow up via email, but I actually just started automating this process of follow-up recently where when I go through and I meet with someone and they don't want to buy from me, if there's someone that I think I want to stay in touch with or that they may buy in the future, I have like two different opportunities or two different setups to kind of stay in touch with them. So I have an automated email that will go out just to like stay top of mind, usually a few weeks down the road to remind them that, hey, we talked uh, and that, you know, they can schedule some time for us to meet again. So these are newer things that I've been doing to really help me because I have been meeting people and been like, oh, I need to make sure I stay on top of following up. I'm really good about the first connection point and I've uh, not been as good about the follow up. And so that's something that I've been actively working on, just utilizing different tools to automate following up with people and making sure that I stay in touch. That's a good point. The follow up, man, that's that's sometimes the hardest part is staying in touch with these folks and and uh, keeping to build those relationships to where someday they might need your services. Whether you you know it's, it's uh, most most of my relationships and people I work with aren't people I sell like that. It's right. people that I've known or been a resource for for sometimes years. And so that's yeah. the that's the trick, right? Is is figuring that system out. And I absolutely am by no means an expert, but man, that's a that's an important piece. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that for me, one of the things that I've learned is that in the early days of my business, when I was doing, um, when I was focusing more just on the product sales and not so much the much more strategic marketing stuff, the cycle moved a lot faster for me. People would just be like, I either do or don't want something. But when I moved into the strategic stuff, the, the, the life cycle of sales changed for me. It grew. And uh, it just lengthened out and I was in uh, need of figuring out a better way to follow up because I knew that I'm really good with that first like week, week and a half, two weeks of connecting with someone. That first touch point, staying in touch if I know they're interested. But then after that, I'm talking to so many people that I'm like, oh, man, I need to remember to follow up with these other people. And so I've been really working to develop that system to make sure that people don't fall through the cracks <laughs> in the process. That's good stuff right there because it's, imp it's important. People do. You get so busy, you put in all this effort, and man, eh, yeah, just fall through the cracks. So, but yeah, I imagine, I imagine that that that's kind of a delicate, that's kind of a delicate thing automating it, right? Because yeah, you need to have some volume available to for the the volume of people to, of reach, but you don't right. want it to seem automated. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you right? don't want it to feel like an impersonal touch, right? That is a big thing. And so finding that balance between automation at scale and really being able to give that personal touch is is a challenge. I, as someone who comes from digital space and has some experience with digital stuff, I have some fun tools that I utilize for that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, there's, there's ways to do it. But I think it, it still requires, it's not just a total set and forget it still requires a, a, some work on my part to make sure that I, that the audit, that the process does not end up being feeling so rigid but it is also a reminder to me hey like this is a person that we talked to a couple weeks ago and need to make sure that you know we follow up again and so it helps me in the long run but you're right it is it is a balancing act to make sure that you don't just send a generic thank you so much for your time and you know you have to really create a certain amount of personalization in that process so yeah. 100%. Yeah. I mean, and that's because I think I, I know I struggle with that. Fletch has mentioned he struggles with that. I mean, in some of the other episodes, that's that is that longer term follow up is, in my opinion, the most for me, at least the most difficult part yeah. of networking. 
You know, sure. I'm, I'm like you, I can talk to anybody. I'm excited to talk to anybody. I get, ex- I get energized, yep. <laughs> right. You know, I could go and I'm passionate about what I do. I can tell everybody why insurance is so awesome till they're just don't want to hear it anymore, you know, and right. even get people excited about it. But then if they're not like ready to do business with me or me, them immediately, I know I need to stay in touch, but it's hard. That, that's the hard part that yeah. I, I, I think I hope that we start solving that because I have a feeling a lot of our audience struggles with that as well. Yeah, it, it's definitely the challenge, I think, is my one of my mentors has repeatedly over the years just like hammered into me the that like his saying is the fortune is in the follow-up and you really have to like get good at that. And I think that's something that like I have always struggled with because as you, as you said, and as I said earlier, like I'm so good at like get the, at getting excited to talk and meet, to talk to new people and meet new people and go through that process. But because of meeting new people, meeting the next new person, meeting the next new person, it does get hard at some point to keep up with the people that you had talked to two or three weeks ago. So creating um, some follow-up sequences to kind of help with that and automating some of that really helps because it, it takes some of the work off your plate. So, and something better than sticky notes because sticky notes just fall off my computer. So, <laughs> oh man, yes. <laughs> so what's so what's your process? Because we've had people talk about systems, right? Like they go to a networking room and they come out and they've got five cards of the key people that they met, and they immediately send an email or a note or whatever it is. It doesn't text. Who cares? So they they send something, right? I am, and I get a little bit made fun of right now, but I think in the future I won't be made fun of. I am really into these digital cards where you tap the phone and it goes in. Love them. Right? Like, I think think they're sweet. I'm with you. They're cool. And that's a good way that if you have it set up right, it can go into your CRM and then that person is there and you can kind of like separate all that stuff and create some of those automated follow-ups that you're talking about. And I guess what makes me nervous is then they become kind of like leads and not connections. Because if there's one tried and true kind of rule that I think we've learned over the last few episodes and will continue to hear is that like it's those really deeper connections and relationships, you know, I imagine you would agree. You feel the same way with that. Yeah, I I think you're right. I think that that it is difficult to walk the line between just turning someone into like a prospect lead versus developing that and nurturing that long term relationship with them. And that is is still a balance that I'm trying to to work on and get better at. I don't use a digital card, um, even though I love them. I think they're a lot of fun. I still use the the uh, old school paper card. I just like the weight of it in my hand because uh, I use an extra. I use a double thick card, so it's just got a little extra heft to it. But when I'm going, especially because I'm doing a lot of online networking, I'm not getting people's business cards, right? So there's a couple ways that the that the sequence can happen. Um, it can either happen through my Calendly when they sign up for a meeting with me initially to have an additional meeting to discuss. I have some um, emails that will follow up and that will push them to LinkedIn to connect. And then I have a new system that I'm working with that I'm still finishing up all of the integrations, but it's a system that is designed to create like touch point and touch point reminders. So I can do email, LinkedIn messages, phone calls, all these different kinds of things. So I can just stay on top of connecting with people. Uh, I can set automated reminders to schedule appointments with people or things like that. So it allows me to kind of build out the sequence that I want in terms of developing a relationship with someone. If I know, hey, I want to make sure that I have a meeting with people that I'm connecting with, like, you know, every, like maybe it's once a quarter just to stay in touch and to stay on top of things. I can set it up to build out a series of reminders reminders and things to help me with that. And some of it can be automated. Some of it is manual stuff that's still like, hey, I still want to call this person. So it sends me a reminder and says, hey, make a phone call to this person. And here's the here's the notes about what the things are that you talked about last. Like, So I have some stuff that I'm working on in this um, new setup to kind of uh, help me with that process in that way. So I love that. It, I love yeah. that. And you brought something up and we mentioned that we were going to have to bring it up again later in the show. And you did a darn good job doing it. So uh you mentioned LinkedIn, right? And I think every business owner professional knows what LinkedIn is, right? right? But as far as I'm concerned, it's been pretty worthless for me. Um, I'm there. I've tried things. I've done things, but I have not gotten anything out of it. You mentioned it was your favorite app or your your last app, right? And you just mentioned <laughs> yeah. you use it otherwise. So how does how yeah. does AJ use LinkedIn for big business purposes and and turn it not into just a scroll fest like every other social app for me? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I, th- so this is LinkedIn is like one of the newer parts of my journey. I didn't use LinkedIn before uh, when I was, you know, we, strangely enough, like when I was doing all my digital stuff, I didn't use LinkedIn for myself. I spent a lot of time on other platforms, Facebook, uh, Instagram, other things like that. I did that sort of thing or, you know, other other networking stuff. But now, uh, for me, I'm spending more time on LinkedIn because for me, it's a chance for me, not just in networking, but also in like connecting with certain people. So I use it for dual purpose. I actually, the software that I use to automate some of the reminders that I have in terms of connecting with people also helps me with outbound stuff that I do. So whether it's for networking purposes or for uh, outbound marketing, I have two different sequences actually. And so I actually have little secret. I have a automation sequence that I go in and I pull people's information from LinkedIn that I want to talk to, that I want to ask questions, that I want to get to know and, and kind of network with. And so I can pull their LinkedIn profile, put it into my automation, and it will actually do a series of things where it will go and visit their profile for me. So I don't have to do it and spend the whole time reading it. Not that I don't want to read it, but I don't have to get into the scroll fest and the doom scrolling on LinkedIn. I can avoid that by automatically going and visiting their profile and then sending a uh, connection with an uh, with a message. And then I use that to schedule time to talk to people. So I actually use it to get on the phone with people. I actually just had a conversation earlier today with a coach who I am like was someone that was in this process that I've been running and kind of tweaking and fine tuning. And I was like, hey, I'm looking to kind of network with and meet more coaches. Uh, Would you be willing to spend 15 minutes just chatting with me and kind of getting to know each other a little bit? I have some questions for you. And, you know, that that we connected, we had our chat today. um, And it's uh, been really interesting because I don't end up in that doom scroll. I'm able to kind of automate a little bit some of the process of connecting with people that I'm like, these are people that I want to spend more time talking to because either I want to network with them because I want them to be in the uh, realm of people that I know, or it's people that are adjacent to people that I want to work with. And so I'm like, let me kind of pick their brain. And so I have the ability and the tool set to kind of automate some of that outreach to kind of help me build those relationships and connections. So, but it always leads to let's talk, let's let's get on the phone, let's let's have a conversation. Because I think that for me, I have not... I don't I don't love just straight uh, over the phone or, or not over the phone, over a LinkedIn message or over email transaction. I really do enjoy having conversation and developing a relationship with people. So I'm always trying to use those things to drive into like just getting to know people better. I love your intentionality with that. I think I think that's kind of an overreaching theme in this is that you're very intentional in how you put yourself out there, how you network, how you meet people, how you reach out. Um, I think that's a pretty neat theme that you've got going on there. And it's, it seems to be working well for you, man. It's working. It's, it's going, it is a process of always iterating and, you know, like learning how to just fine tune it a little bit more, but I I love it. It's a lot of fun. It's great. Well, man, talk to us a little bit. Uh, I think we're getting pretty close here. How do people find you? Like, tell us a little bit about uh, how uh, people touch your swag or find the swag. (laughs) Exactly. If you want to get your hands on swag. So for me, the best way to get in touch with me right now, because I'm very intentional with my LinkedIn is LinkedIn. And so you can find me at, it's just linkedin.com slash, I think, AJ-Lambert dash promo pro so it's aj Lambert we'll, promo pro. we'll put we'll put it in the show notes we'll make sure Perfect. that's that's the best way that's how you want people to connect and reach out to you is linkedin that is going to be the best way for people to connect with me and really get in touch because i'm spending a lot of time just developing my um my LinkedIn platform. And one of the things that I have not done up to this point, but that I'm going to be starting to do soon. So I'll just drop that here is I'm going to start dropping um, regular content on LinkedIn around just getting more creative with your marketing and just developing experiential marketing for people. So that's something that's going to start dropping uh, next month. So love it. Not just a conversation. It's an experience. Yep, absolutely. I love it, man. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, man, we know how to get a hold of you. Do you have any advice, right? Uh, for one person, 10 people, you know, somebody who's starting networking, right? Doesn't know anything. What's one piece of advice for someone who's trying to get up and running? Yeah, I think the the best piece of advice, and it's something that I've been handing out more, and we talked about it in, uh, in this thing, is really when you when you're going to meet people, 
be very intentional about the thing that you're asking for. And so I've been telling people as I talk to them more and more, because people ask me about this, write down what you want and who you want to talk to and like be very intentional, craft a message that you're going to go into a networking space with so that you don't just wing it when you get there. You want to know, you, you want to have a message for who you want to meet and who you want to talk to, because you also want them to know that you're talking to them and want to reach out to you. So taking the time to write out and craft your message and know what you're going to say before you get there. I think that's a big thing. And that's something I've been telling a lot of people recently. That's huge. I love that. I haven't even done that. I I think I'm, I always think I'm so good at just freestyling it and coming up with whatever. And I would bet you that my results and my connections would be so much better if I put that into practice. And I am going to put that into practice. You just got me all fired up about that, buddy. Awesome. I'm a writer. I love writing. And so I'm all about taking the time uh, uh, to just put it on, put it on paper, put it on paper. Beautiful. Well, AJ, I think we're going to wrap up here, but we have one last question for you. I'm ready. We're out, if we're out networking, right? Mm-hmm. And one of our listeners runs into you, right? Or happens to schedule an appointment with you. What's your coffee order? Ooh, yeah. So I don't drink coffee. <laughs> uh, if, we, if we go to a coffee shop together, what you'll find is one of two drinks. I'll either drink a London Fog, which is an Earl Grey tea with the vanilla usually a little bit of milk in it, and or I will drink some kind of chai latte. Uh, I have never been a coffee guy, but I do love a good tea. So I will always drink tea. Awesome. I awesome. love it. Good choice. I chai love it. Chai tea is awesome. I'm a big fan. Yeah. little secret uh, at the end. I used to make chai tea with a buddy. I used to help him with a business that he had where he made chai of tea. Of course so he used you to did. like roast and grind spices and do that together. <laughs> of course. Of so. course you did. I, at this point, I don't even, I, I, I don't know what you haven't done in your life, man. I, I, you are one of my favorite people to hang out and chat with just because your variety of life experience just never ceases to amaze me. It is awesome, dude. I love it. Yeah, and you know ADHD, what, man, it'll do wonders. And, and you know what, I, but that also is part of the secret sauce. Another thing I know where we want to wrap up on time, but like be authentic, share your experiences because you don't know what experiences you're going to connect with. Right. You Absolutely. don't know. I mean, I bet you don't even know how many other break dancers there are in those networking rooms. <laughs> I, I don't yet, but now I need to share that more so that I can figure it out. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for coming, dude. We really appreciate it. I am so happy that we had the time to talk. And uh, if you get LinkedIn figured out better, let us know. We'll bring you back on and we'll just do a LinkedIn episode. I think. Absolutely. I would love to. I'd love, love to. It. Once I fine tune it, I'll come back on to talk to you guys about it. Awesome. Thanks, AJ, for joining us today on Well Connected with Ricky and Fletch. Thanks so much for having me, guys. It's been great. We appreciate it, bud. Thank you for listening to Well Connected with Ricky and Fletch, the place for navigating business growth through networking. If you've learned even one thing from sharing the last hour with us, please share this with a friend or associate who also might appreciate it too. Only together can we become truly well-connected. Join us each week to learn, grow, and network your way to new heights. heights.